This is Learn From Others, where we interview a cross-section of successful individuals so you can learn from their experiences, achievements, and even their mistakes. We ask four questions that will educate and inspire. Greg Stanley will be your guide as we join our guests on a journey from adolescent daydreaming to success in today's world. Join us on this adventure as we learn from others together. Well, welcome to Learn From Others, where we help others succeed by sharing success. I'm very excited to introduce our special guest today, Dr. Joe Newsma. Joe, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well, Greg. I appreciate you bringing me on the show, and I'm looking forward to sharing what I can. Yeah, you've got a really cool job, interesting job. I'm really curious to hear about it. But if you would, before we get to that point, could you tell me, what did you want to be when you grew up? (laughs) Well, you know, the standard cocktail party answer for that is a burden on society, Greg. But uh, (laughs) I failed at that one miserably. So uh, what I wanted to do when I was growing up was uh, be a doctor. My uh, father was a uh, oral surgeon, and... uh, uh, my ambition was to go to medical school and work as an orthopedic surgeon in the professional athlete's realm. So that's what I went to college for. That's what I studied for. Uh, of course, it certainly didn't end up that way. Right, right. Now, what prompted you to want to be a doctor? Was your dad a doctor? Did you have a good experience with a doctor? Like, where'd that come from? Right. Uh, yeah, my dad was a dentist and an oral surgeon. So uh, he got his start right out of dental school. He joined the United States Navy, and his first tour of duty was uh, uh, in Japan fixing head wounds of GIs coming out of Vietnam. Wow. If if they survived the original uh, incident, then he would uh, have a part in rebuilding their faces from head wounds. Oh, my goodness. And I grew up... I grew up with my dad being the the main person who did all of the training for oral surgeons in the Navy, and I saw how being a uh, a medical provider and an administrator could make a difference in people's lives, both the uh, next generation of uh, service providers and in uh, the patients themselves. So, you know, that's what really led me to say I want to study medicine. I went to undergraduate school in pre-med and uh, I, you know, I I did uh, uh, all of the pre-med volunteering and, and and so forth. But after my undergraduate program was completed, I was a uh, I was a white male with a 3.3 GPA and average MCAT scores, and that's not what the medical schools were looking for Uh-oh. at the, the late 80s, early 90s. So I applied for eight medical schools and two graduate programs because I was working for Dow Chemical at the time in their toxicology labs. And, you know, I, I got into two graduate programs. So just as a matter of course of uh, continuing the education before you increase your expenses, uh, <laughs> I, I went to one of the graduate programs and, and also working for Dow Chemical for a bunch of Ph.D. toxicologists, they really formulated my – they honed my desires, I guess, by, by seeing the lifestyle of you know the science, you know uh, you're making a difference. Uh, for Dow Chemical, I worked in uh, pesticides and herbicide registration, doing um, biotransformation and metabolism and molecular toxicology. So they encouraged me to go to graduate school. And 
I went to graduate school and did a great research project on uh, the stereochemical aspects of butadiene toxicity and metabolism. So, you know, one thing led to another, and I, I finished up with the intention of going back to Dow Chemical and working in the chemical industry. But um, <laughs> things change when you're in graduate school. You meet people, you get married, uh, um, <laughs> plans change. And we decided that uh, my wife came from Minnesota, I came from Michigan, and we're sitting in Colorado. Colorado, where you can actually see the sun from November to April during the winter time, and so both of us said, "Why in the world would anybody in their right mind move back to the Midwest?" Right. <laughs> so, so uh, after I finished graduate school, I, I applied for a real job instead of a postdoc, and you know I interviewed for one job, and I got that one job, and that was for a pharmaceutical company called. Sando, or called uh, Geneva at the time, but it turned into Sando, which is a generics division of Novartis. So okay. I mean that's big time pharma, right? And so I worked I worked in uh, pharmaceuticals for six years, and you know that's really my exposure to corporate America. Dow was you know I was a graduate intern. I wasn't really a, an employee. Um, but my my real introduction into corporate America was the pharmaceutical company for six years, and the the one one uh, burning lesson that I learned, Greg, was that uh, when the people in corporate America ask their employees what their opinions are, they have absolutely no desire to hear what the answers are. Right. <laughs> and uh, well, I'm of the opinion that if someone asks me a question, I'm going to tell them. So it, it took me six years, but I realized that with my big mouth, I wasn't compatible with corporate America. So um, I got out of corporate America and opened my own practice, which was Superior Toxicology and Wellness. And I've been doing that for almost 20 years now. Okay. And uh, Superior Superior Toxicology and Wellness is a it's an international consulting firm that does toxicology services of all sorts. Um, for uh, biotech, for pharmaceutical, for uh, any number of different industries and in employee safety and health and, and that sort of thing. So it's really a, a niche market, but the the trail was, you know, undergraduate, thinking about medical school, having that door slammed in my face, going to graduate school because that's the opportunity that was presented, finishing graduate school, going to work in, in corporate America, realizing that that wasn't a, a, a super solid fit, getting out, doing my own thing, being my own boss. And now there's a difference between working in corporate America and being your own boss. You know, corporate America, you got a salary, you go to work, you can sit at your desk and stare at your laptop and do nothing all day long, you still get your salary. The difference is when you're working for yourself, not only do you have to find the work, but then you have to do the work and get it done. So yeah, I, I kind of call it, you eat what you kill. And if you don't kill anything, you don't eat. Right. Yeah, for sure. And then we haven't actually technically said it, but you did become a doctor, correct? Yes. I have a PhD in pharmaceutical sciences and toxicology from the University of Colorado School of Pharmacy. Okay. And would you call yourself a toxicologist today? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So if you would, tell me, what is your typical work week like as a toxicologist and your, you know, in your different aspects of your business? Well, it usually takes about a day a week to do all the administrative stuff that falls into owning your own business. So, I mean, you, you can do that all at once or you can sprinkle that over the course of the week. But uh, uh, otherwise, you, you have, you know, you're always constantly on the developing client's 
path. You know, you got to find the work and you got to make sure that the people who you do work for rehire you because uh, all you got to do is say something stupid or put out some, some par work and that travels faster than 20 years of, of building clients one at a time by superior work. So uh, a lot of it is, is uh, talking to people, networking, giving presentations, writing articles, doing podcasts, you're really putting yourself out there as an expert in your field so that uh, when the time comes, you can speak with authority about whatever it is that you need to speak. Right. And uh, I do a lot of occupational toxicology, and when uh, legal cases fall in my lap, I'll do expert witness on legal cases. So, you know, I probably have 20 to 25 legal cases that I've been an expert in, but the, the bread and butter is really working, is the client work and the tox work that comes along with those clients. And clients can be anywhere from pharmaceutical companies to supplement companies to uh, even specialized companies that are looking for, like, MS. SDSs and other um, exposure level work that needs to be done, reproductive hazards in the workplace, uh, that sort of stuff. So, so that would be kind of the danger, you know, making sure there's not the dangerous chemicals in a workplace that could affect the employees. I do. I do that as well. Yes, uh, and you can do that with with uh, audits on site, where you're you're looking at the the common everyday practices that the company goes through, or you can do it remotely, where they send you a process, and you're trying to optimize it to move hazardous chemicals out of the process and move more green chemicals into a process, and uh, do alternatives for how things have always been done, and make suggestions on on better ways to do things in um, a safer, more efficient manner type of a deal. Okay. Yeah. And I know my, my students are wondering this question, so I'm going to go ahead and ask it. Do you have any of those courtroom situations, kind of like NCIS, C, you know, CSI or forensic files you could share with us? <laughs> well, um, I've actually never had a case go to court. Really? I, am, I am absolutely perfect in after my deposition, every single case I've been an expert on has settled for my client. Wow. Okay. And that's because um, the opposing counsel realizes that they have a scientist that relates to people that talks without using big words and jargon. And if they put me on the stand, they're going to lose bigger than if they just settle. So is that typically on the defense side or on the prosecution side? I've been on both. You've been on Believe both? it or not, oh. I've been on both. Yeah, I guess one of the most dramatic um, cases I've been on involved a uh, a guy that was at a uh, NFL football game and uh, ended up falling down a stairway chase three and a half stories and ended up dying. And uh, the wow. the family of this gentleman ended up suing the stadium district, and the stadium district hired a, a toxicologist that. Uh, that looked at the 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 post mortem blood alcohol level and did a reverse calculation saying that he was completely tank drunk and that's why he fell okay and i was hired by the plaintiff side and i presented a much clearer picture that uh based on testimony of everybody else that was involved in this going to the party that by at the time that he fell down the steps he was stone cold sober and backed it up with uh, evidence, published literature that says uh, you can't you can't rely on a blood alcohol level content that's 
following trauma because nobody knows the effects of trauma. And this guy had a laundry list of stuff that was broken, bones, ribs, lacerated organs, all kinds of internal damage. And uh, he was bleeding profusely, so everything that's in his body shoots back into his bloodstream to try to maintain volume. And they measure this, uh, if there was any alcohol in extracellular space, which there is because that's where it goes, then it's going to be back in the bloodstream. And uh, uh, okay. as, as soon as as soon as I was deposed, and, and the guy uh, realized that that my argument was absolutely solid based on science and foundational, they settled the case and the family got paid off. I mean, he was a he was a father. There was five kids in the family, all of them below twelve years old. The wow. mom homeschooled the kids, and and the stadium was fighting this guy's death. And and another part of the caveat was that uh, they'd found an imperfection in in construction that the stair rails were too low and the stadium knew about it and Mm. refused to fix it. So I guess that's one of the most dramatic cases I've ever been in, but uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's high stakes poker. I mean, these lawyers know the sciences as well as the scientists do. And um, you really need to know your stuff and and they really try to bully and badger you. And they ask the same question in six different ways just so that they can edit around your responses and try to disqualify you at the next step. And when they realize they can't do that, that's when they say, okay, we need to settle this case. Right, right, for sure. Now, what's one of the most challenging aspects of being a toxicologist? Uh, One of the most challenging aspects of being a toxicologist is realizing that uh, you can find science that will uh, support whatever it is you want to support, pro, con, for, against, bad, good, doesn't matter. The most challenging aspect is being able to tell junk science from Mm. genuine science from good science. And if you can't do that, you're going to get skinned when you start publishing your findings and and letting your opinions be known in what you're trying to do because uh, your your work won't hold up. It won't it won't be it won't stand the test of time. So if you aren't a good judge of science and you can't pick out where why something is a good experiment or a bad experiment and explain that, then you're not right. going to last long in this in this uh, occupation. You want to have an example of that offhand, would you? I know what you're talking about, but I think it would help our students clarify that a little bit. Well, it's just—I mean—you you, got to look at—you uh, got to look at a, a peer-reviewed paper that has undergone the scrutiny of other scientists, looking, checking uh, methods, experimental design, statistics, versus something that's that's published in um, a, a magazine or uh, something that's paid to get published and not peer-reviewed, because that's where you're going to run into uh, experimental design, which skews the results to the person's. Um, opinions that are paying for the work to be done. Right. If it could stand up by a peer review, it has much more credibility going forward, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. As a reminder, you can check out all previous episodes at learnfromothers.org. And if you're an educator or a student, you can search for podcasts by career cluster. So, Joe, we learned what you wanted to be when you grew up, which was a doctor, and what you do today, which is a doctor. So that's really cool. So looking back on your career, what would you do differently? 
Oh gosh, Greg, that's such a tough question. You know, it's it's all it's all hypothetical because you know once you make the decision and and you and you pivot and go in a different direction, it's hard to get that back. But uh, if I had things to do, and and the other question is, it's it's based on what's important to you, and uh, you make decisions along the road of your life, and you meet people, and those relationships with people are there because of choices that you made, and then when someone asks you what would you do different? It's so difficult because if you do something different, then you don't know the whole, the whole uh, host of people that you know, and you would know a whole host of other different people. And in my case, you know, what I would do different is I would probably learn to keep my mouth shut a little bit better in corporate America and toe the line and find a better way of less friction in order to advance until what I had to say was really wanted to be heard by the people that were in charge. So my my difference would be I would I would learn a lot faster to get along, do my job, keep my mouth shut and find the pathway to moving forward. And if there wasn't a pathway to moving forward at the specific job or career where you were, find a career that provides that pathway. Because if you get stuck where there's no chance for promotion, then there's there's really no reason to stay in that spot because you're never going to move ahead, you're never going to get ahead, and you're going to be railroaded into what somebody else thinks your worth is and what somebody else thinks your value is and what somebody else thinks your compensation is. And um, another thing that I would change is that uh, when you get out in a practice, don't reduce your clients to just one. Always maintain uh, multiple clients because then you are not controlled by your one client story. Right. And yeah. yes, you're, you're going to say, okay, well, tell me that story and I'll be happy too, Greg. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, I, I got, uh, I had a very thriving toxicology practice with, uh, you know, over a dozen clients and doing real good work. And then I got to work in with one guy in particular that, uh, that he had a vision that I shared and we were building his brand instead of my brand. I worked with the guy for 14 years before one day he said he wasn't going to work with me anymore. And uh, even though that it was all of my IP that we were selling through his online um, sales process and he told me that he wasn't going to use me anymore and then he also told me that he wasn't going to pay me royalties so we oh, wow. ended up getting lawyers involved and we ended up uh, fighting about it for probably 18 months and uh, the fact of the matter was I looked back critically over that period and I got fat and happy and I merged my own clients into his business thinking that that was never going to go away and my mistake was that, uh, A, I trusted him, <laughs> and <Right. laughs> B, he saw that he could make more money by char by hiring a full-time employee and paying them a wage as opposed to a royalty. And so once I had done all of my good work to build his brand and make him a, a global provider of health and safety consulting, then he cut me loose, hired somebody that could do the work I was doing, and um, for a lot less money, and then cut me out of the out of the deal. And as it turns out, you know, he had to hire seven people to do what I was doing for him. And the difference is, he's hiring employees, whereas I was a business owner. Right. right. <laughs> and there, there's a complete difference of work ethic between somebody who's there for a paycheck 
who's, right. who's on any given day can stare at their laptop for eight hours and not do anything. And there's a, and, and the difference between the business owner who has to get the work done in order to generate the product to get the sale. Right. And it's yep. just uh, it's one of those opportunities that uh, I didn't see fast enough. And I kind of got <laughs> there's no real good way to say this, but I kind of got the short end of the shaft on that deal. And now I'm in a process of rebuilding my talks practice and finding my new clients back. And, and you know, it's all going to be OK, but it's a it's an ebb and a flow of business. And I, I just chalk it up to experience. Right. And to your point, you know, there's a big driving difference in an owner versus an employee because i there's a thing now where you know employees can check out and still get a paycheck you know they're not providing the productivity or value that an owner would so that's a really great point i, I don't have any doubt that you were the equivalent to more than seven people uh working <laughs> for that company wow now let's let's talk to a student who wants to be a toxicologist what advice would you give them is there a typical career path well uh you know take your science courses it starts way back in high school. Take your take your chemistry, take your physics, take your basic science courses to make sure that those science subjects actually get you jazzed. Because if they don't get you jazzed on a basic level, there's no way in hell they're going to get you jazzed on the advanced levels. And what you got, what I tell everybody when they're trying to figure out what they want to be when they grow up, and I've told both of my children this, I said, find something that you like to do and find a way to make a living doing it. Right. Because if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Right. And I mean, it's really, truly that simple. But then once you get your science courses in high school and you decide, hey, this is pretty cool. I want to pursue it. And then in college, you have uh, lots of different options. You can pick a specific college that has a toxicology program. And that could be a toxicology undergrad, it could be a toxicology master's, or it could be a toxicology PhD or, or some combination of those three. And uh, the higher degree you get, the more you're going to be geared for managing a toxicology program, whether that's in a chemical industry or a pharmaceutical industry or, you know, the, any type of uh, anything in between there. But um, Or you could go undergraduate for biology or chemistry or biochemistry because all all of those science courses contribute to your understanding. See, I have an undergraduate in biology and chemistry with a pre-med emphasis, and then I have my PhD, skip the master's program, in pharmaceutical sciences and toxicology. So I've had an emphasis in biochemistry and medicinal chemistry and, uh, uh, you know, a little bit of physics and uh, a whole lot of biology. And then um, medicinal chemistry and biochemistry was really the most valuable type Type of uh, background because most of the stuff that I do is real hardcore biochemistry, which has a huge flavoring of, uh, of chemistry involved. So, you know, in order to be a toxicologist, you have to have a broad understanding of lots of different sciences. And, you know, that's from your biochemistry to your chemistry, chemistry, but also to pathology, you know, and pathophysiology and physiology. You need to understand all of those types of sciences and how they interact because the, the body isn't a bag of independent organ systems operating independently. Everything is entwined. You know, what you eat affects your heart or your lungs and your kidneys or, you know, what you inject affects your kidneys or your eyes. You know, everything is is connected and you have to have the overall understanding of physiology to know how everything is connected and by doing one thing to something how does it affect something else you know if you give 
uh, a drug to uh, the somebody that uh, that slows down their heart, well, what's that going to do to uh, their circulatory system, and what's that's going to do to trying to get the toxins from the organs back out through your lymph system, and and what's that going to do if uh, you know your slow heartbeat is is then uh, decreasing blood pressure, which is probably the therapeutic effect. Well, what happens if somebody gets up quick and gets dizzy and falls over? You know, it's just there's so many things. When someone takes a drug, it's usually for one particular uh, response, but every single drug on the market has a whole litany of side effects. So right, right. you're also having all of that opportunity, and you got to understand how that comes into play, because when you're doing my job, and you're talking to somebody who's on five different drug products, well, you got to understand how those drugs interact, and you got to understand what's going to happen if they're taking care of one thing, but the side effect of drug one produces a different uh, effect where they got to put them on drug two, and right. so it's it's. Uh, Having a basic understanding of just about every science under the sun is the best advice that I could give to somebody who wants to be a toxicologist that uh, get your basics and then specialize and take every science course you could possibly take. Oh, that's great advice. Well, now, are there any projects you're working on that you would like to share? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> one that, that I, I've been doing it for years, but I actually just launched it formally in January. It's called My Hope project. And uh, just because so many lives are devastated by pharmaceutical products, it's kind of ironic coming from somebody who's made their living in the pharmaceutical industry for, for almost 30 years. But the HOPE stands for Health Optimization Prescription Evaluation. And what I do is I can be the drug expert for the for folks that just feel like they're on way too many pharmaceutical products. Their doctors don't have time to figure out why they're on all these pharmaceutical products, if their doses are correct, and if some of the symptoms that they're having to endure on a daily basis are actually due to these drug products that they're taking. So right. uh, my service, uh, and you can you can find this on superiortoxicology.com, which is my my uh, my website, and you click on the hope button and you fill out a, a questionnaire. And what I do is I provide a, a very detailed written report on the drug products that you have, why you're on them, how long that someone's been on these, the doses that they're on, and I provide alternatives, recommendations, ways you can get off of certain drug products, questions to ask your healthcare provider to determine if you even need these drug products anymore because most of the time people are prescribed a drug by one doctor, they go to a different doctor, that different doctor deals with what they came to their office for, puts them on another drug without looking at their drug history. And most physicians have a semester of pharmacology, which is the study of the drugs and how they work, why they work, and what else they do, whereas uh, I have a lot more drug expertise and 30 years in the business. So uh, in these reports, I give these people these recommendations to bring back to their healthcare provider and challenge them as to why they still need to be on these pharmaceutical products. Because the medical system today is really geared towards long-term customers, not really geared towards curing anything. And uh, that's the major problem with today's physicians is that uh, they just they just want these people to keep coming back so they can keep charging office visits and specialty fees and tests and, and line in their pockets. And uh, managing symptoms is a lot easier to do that than curing somebody of a disease. 
Right. That's super unfortunate. But to your point, I mean, being able to give them the guidance they need is super valuable. So thanks for sharing yes. that. Well, cool. Well, you've mentioned your website. Is, is there any other contact points you'd like to mention? The superiortoxicology.com is my website for all of this uh, toxicology work. And I'm closely, you'll see on my website, I'm closely aligned with uh, with livelongerlabs.com. And uh, livelongerlabs.com is developing uh, carbon-60 related products. And I was the first credentialed scientist that wrote a testimonial as to why that product would work. So uh, really, the new product that they've put out, uh, C60 Complete, it's it's the carbon 60 in black seed oil and uh, includes curcumin. And the the combination of those three ingredients have been patented by uh, Live Longer Labs. And um, that is truly what I would call the closest thing to the fountain of youth that I've been able to find in my 30 years in the industry. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, cool. Well, I appreciate your taking us on your career journey today. Thank you for your time. Absolutely, Greg. I was happy to be here. Thank you for listening to Learn From Others, where we help others succeed by sharing success. Where will our next adventure take us? Subscribe to find out. If you know of someone who has a cool career story or occupation, contact Greg through Instagram at LFO. That's G-R-E-G-S-T-A-N-L-E-Y-L-F-O. And we will see you soon as we learn from others together.